Love Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show bringing you the most fascinating and the most helpful people in the business community from around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, and today grab your hammer and chisel in your finest artistic sense as we trundle you off remotely to the verdant farmlands of Blauenberg, New Jersey, to the intriguing studio of one of the world's most noted sculptors, Mr. Joseph Petrovich creator of, among other masterpieces, the World Trade Center Memorial Relief to the Firefighters of 9-11. Yesterday, as part of our Nice Work If You Can Get It series, that's individuals who have careers almost as interesting as yours, we're going to blend both business and the artistic side of sculpture to give you a sculptor's eye view of life. Now, I personally met Joseph and his wife, Judith Petrovics, shortly after they had come to this country from their native Hungary. And when I asked them why Joseph had given up his position as Hungary's, well, really, their their top sculptor to move to America, both husband and wife in chorus answered with two words, artistic freedom. So now let us meet uh, the very free and very artistic Joseph Petrovics. Well, now uh, here we are inside, further deep inside this lair, uh, the artistic lair of sculptor Joseph Petrovich. And I'm looking at uh, the workbench with a, a whole array of pieces that seem to be on one theme. Uh, they blend uh, sort of an abstract impressionism at the same time. You've got these very spiky vertical peaks, and you've got them, these are in stone, I've seen them in wood. At the same time, uh, they sort of poke through these rounded horizontals. Uh, could you tell us about this vision? What What is this, Joseph? Well, uh, when uh, we came to this country, uh, I came with my family in 1988. Uh, first mm-hmm. visited in 1987, but we came back uh, permanently in 1988. And I used to uh, work for a company it's called Sculpture House Casting. Um, uh, we had a workshop in Princeton, and the main... Uh, workshop in New York City in Manhattan. So as a sculptor, I did all kinds of projects. Uh, and you would do the commute? In, yes, in and every almost daily I commuted from Princeton to New York, usually hmm, driving okay. an old pickup truck carrying uh-huh. all kinds of materials. And, and I remember one day approaching the city uh, from the New Jersey side, I have uh, seen uh, the Twin Towers and other skyscrapers uh, truly shrouded in clouds, almost cutting half. Like uh, like razor blade cutting exactly half this geometrical shape of the twin towers, and that was a very deep impression and moved me for many years. So basically, I created the first version of uh, I call the skyscraper shrouded in clouds, the first piece carved in wood, and then I moved on to stone. And then, uh, obviously, um, uh, September uh, 11, 19, 2001, we know all what happened. And no, basically, no. Um, uh, uh, the subject remained, but uh, somehow the clouds are, are gone. <laughs> ah, <laughs> truly, truly. From Joseph's abstract vision came the very far-sighted awareness from some patrons that here was a man who could transform the ideal of an entire city's scope 
into a very realistic depiction of one of nations um well one of our nation's really harshest disasters. Well, now, Joseph, uh, perhaps it was based on these, but, um, of course, all your work, but you have received the ver- the most highly prized commission available to create the September 11th mural at the firehouse at Ground Zero. Could you tell us a little bit about, well, first of all, tell us what the, what the sculpture was. Tell what it is, where it is, and its size and dimensions and so forth. Well, the uh, sculpture, as we call uh, the bar relief, it's uh, installed, permanently installed at the uh, Engine 10 Ladder 10 uh, Firehouse at Ground Zero. It's still a functioning uh, firehouse, mm-hmm. which is uh, located exactly Liberty Street and Greenwich Street corner. If you visit today, obviously the whole thing is changed and there is a 9-11 official memorial wall and the memorial park and the new Freedom Towers. But, but, that, but that is still there. Is it part, of course, this bar relief, which is 56 feet long and mm-hmm. 6 feet high. Um, it's, it's there and it's permanently there. And so it's part of the whole memorial complex, as we call. And now, how uh, we finished in 2006 and it was dedicated exactly the uh, fifth anniversary of um, of uh, uh, 9/11 and yeah 2006 June 10th now um, actually as i recall i was with you, you at that there, point yes. but i recall when you were making this there were some uh there was shall we say some political pressures swayed back and forth tell us a little bit about when <clears throat> the mayor of new york came here to view it and how he why he had to be incognito <laughs> well i could tell you a couple of uh, stories but um uh, interestingly um uh well the whole project took uh, more than two years right to be exact right. two and a half years mm-hmm. from the model uh, building up to the unveiling so it's Every, a long long time everything in grand zero takes forever well plus it was a huge work and uh but uh people should know that this was not a direct commission uh, like a public art commission this was a commission basically by the fire department of new york city mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the department decided because by the time of 2002 early 2003 uh, they did not have any official memorial oh, in New York City. It, it was an endless squabble. We and all they, remember they, very sadly. That. They felt that they sacrificed so many people. Um, mm-hmm. The official uh, number of uh, dead uh, by the fire department it was 343 person. So anyway, uh, they decided to have something permanent uh, mm-hmm. memorial uh, for these people lost at the uh, uh, day of 9/11. So they approached uh, uh, Rambush uh, Decorating Company in uh, in Jersey City. I used to work with that company back then. And they they eventually gave you this commission, which was which they, was a they great asked thing. me they asked me to uh, if I would be uh, willing to take on this project. And let me tell you this: uh, um, it, 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 I hesitated a little bit, nearly a uh-huh. week, uh, to well, give the well, answer yes or no, because well, I was afraid of uh, the lengthiness of the project and all the I, bureaucratic uh, But you did undertake it. And, and finally I said, yes, I felt that it's a, it's a big honor to do something like yeah. that. Uh, so I took on the project and uh, and I think uh, we all succeeded. It was a teamwork. Well, I was the sculptor this of this This is memorial. true, but now tell us, I remember the mayor came here 
and he had to be very quiet about it. Why was that? Well, actually, the mayor himself never, um, never really oh. came, but the fire chief of oh, the New York, fire chief, fire chief. yes, he actually he came many times, uh, mm -hmm. visited this place uh, to review a work in progress, the first panel and the second panel and the third panel. And uh, so he, uh, his name is uh, Harold Myers. He, oh, he's, he's, he's a wonderful man. Yes, yes, wonderful. He's, he's a really well, nice now, guy. also, there was another change, I understand, about the smoke. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> well, that's an interesting uh, history, I, I should say. Uh, Hold on just a second. I understand that once you accepted this, it was very political. And everything was fussed over for some political reason. Could you tell us a little bit about the smoke on the bar relief? Well, the center panel, which uh, shows the uh, Twin Towers in flame and explosion, uh, uh, the really first time uh, uh, the direction of the smoke was the opposite mm -hmm. direction. And then, the, well, now where was it going? And then the people uh, coming from New York, the chief fire chief of New York City, and uh, his team mentioned that uh, they would like to see the smoke from the Brooklyn side. So obviously, when you were standing on the Brooklyn side, the smoke uh, going into that Go, direction. But going. if you're standing on the Jersey side. You threw the other direction, obviously. So, so they, want, they didn't want the smoke going over New York. They wanted yeah, it going over New Jersey. They wanted uh. to see the smoke uh, looking from uh, the Brooklyn side. Obviously. Ladies and gentlemen, these, these, <laughs> these are the politicians. This is the state that stole Staten Island from New Jersey in 1851, which is one of the things I must say is that's a theft they greatly deserve. But that's an entirely other issue. But I, I love this story. And any time I think about this, uh, I think it's wonderful. I mean, this is, this is just the human nature and I think it's beautiful. <laughs> Could you went there, so you made the sculpture and out of clay, right? Yes. And then you plastered it, right? It yes. is, and then you took it uh to turn it into bronze, to be bronzed, right? Now tell us a little bit about where you went. Well, let me tell you briefly, uh so as I mentioned before, uh the whole project took more than two, two and a half years. So, and has three major panels, and mm -hmm. each panel I worked on uh, more than um, uh, half a year, nearly a year. So basically when I finished the modeling in plastilina, which is a soft material, then the team uh, of the fire department reviewed the work, and they asked me if they wanted to change something, for example, the direction of the smoke or, or any other details remove this truck or remove this and person and put another person in it. And stuff now you like had that. the pa the panel itself is the the whole tapestry of the firefighters fighting uh, to save and rescue at the Twin Towers, yes, right? Yes, that's correct. And you see the it, it is a magnificent panel and you, you try to get every element within it? Well, as, as I mentioned, the panel itself is 56 feet long, so it takes more than a minute slow walking uh, mm. from uh, one point to the end and uh, so truly you can review the whole history of what happened mm -hmm. was on the day on of 9-11 yeah. and it's all cast in bronze so that's, that's, uh, that's a permanent uh, memento. Now I understand it's one thing to say oh yes it was cast in bronze. Could you tell us where it was cast in bronze and 
then how you they actually got it down well just going back to the uh, the modeling state so when i finished the modeling of, of a panel then i cast in plaster uh, in, in in many sections because right. uh, mm -hmm. we had to divide it in an exactly 19 section oh. and cast the whole monument in 19 section and then weld them together into three large sections uh -huh. But every step of the uh, work, uh, personally, not only I did it, that I supervised, so I was at the foundry, I did the branch chasing by myself, and I did the finishing of the three panels uh, by myself, and I was there at the coloring, which is the final step of the... Uh, the but the bronzing was, was, you did that, you did that finishing at a foundry in Brooklyn, Yes, right? that's correct. It's, it's called the uh, Betty Yard Foundry uh, at the Greenpoint, uh, Brooklyn Greenpoint. Uh, and actually, one of the last foundries they use or work with, it's called the French sand casting method, oh. which is really doesn't exist anymore uh, because it's highly uh, 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 skilled. Craftsmen can do it only. But I understand it gives a much finer finish. Uh, well, for this project, because uh, first of all, it's a large, huge surface, uh, it was the much better approach than uh, working with it, the other metal. It's called Lost Wax. Right, of uh, course. Uh, bronze they have had that since literally the Bronze Age. Yes, exactly. In 1200 exactly. BC. And so, so this we, we figured out at the beginning of the whole project that uh, we're going to go with this foundry and mm -hmm. with this particular. Well, now, once metal. it was done and you had. So here you are in Brooklyn and you've got. 56 feet by six feet high and it's got to get tacked onto a wall over in south manhattan so did you uh i assume you just uh called a moving van and and they took off at about rush hour well actually not really that was oh, another okay. beautiful moment i i will always remember uh, so the day we uh, picked uh, for the final installation it was i believe uh 2000 uh, 6 uh, May 20th, 21st, I might be wrong on the day, yeah. but definitely yeah. May. So, and the fire department decided to use their own trucks. Oh. So what happened was late evening, uh, they right, right lined, up, right tools, huh? lined up in front of the foundry. Uh -huh. So we um, hauled, uh, lifted all the three panels on different trucks. Mm -hmm. And then around 10 uh, p.m., uh, so late uh, evening, night, uh, we were heading to Brooklyn. And uh, interestingly, uh, i never been in that situation before that uh, the chief was riding in the first car and uh, literally the whole traffic and the Brooklyn Bridge was shut down because of oh this. Oh, my gosh. And, oh, uh, and, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> that is funny. And they, so, get but, mad, and they get mad at our governor, my God. <laughs> uh, probably not. The traffic was not so heavy uh, by the time. But uh, safely we arrived to the site at uh, uh, ground zero. And uh, so we did the installation by 4, uh, nearly 5 a.m. in the morning. The whole panel was oh, successfully installed. And I remember you going after it and burnishing this little part. Yes, and right uh, up to the, the day final touch when the yes, presidents yes. and, and when, when all the dignitaries yes, came through. What yes, a wonderful, yes. wonderful tribute you have done. And I think it is a marvelous thing for America to have this tribute uh, recorded. I believe so. If the numbers are correct, if you look up the Facebook or any other sources, uh, a uh, number of millions of people uh, oh, visited the, the place, plan. and uh, I guess the number is still growing because the whole complex is... And it is brings home 
the sacrifice that these men made. I remember the fire chief saying, when he gave his speech, he talked about all the people coming down and out, but the firemen and women were running up into that. It, it was it was something of which it was a uh, you have recorded a great deal of pride for America and and. Uh, well, we may all take pride in it, and particularly in your work. I have so many beautiful uh, memories talking uh, to these people, and uh, during the whole uh, process, the modeling, uh, I visited many firehouses in Manhattan, even in Brooklyn, to see some of the equipments, talking to some guys how these things work and how the other things uh, work. And uh, so anyway, just beautiful, uh, lots of memories. Maybe I should write them down one day. One of these days, <laughs> we'll have to, have, to, have to have you do a book about it. Excellent. And while we're on the thoughts of art portraying the devastating realities of our world, allow me as a ray of hope, as I always do, to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself and now that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career and since it is I invite you to pause and ponder and ask yourself what vision are you creating this very day in your place of work and do you have the self-determination to carry it through against the, the, the politics and the opposition or will you simply spend your efforts greasing other people's wheels the choice, my friend, is truly yours. And in a less jugular vein, as our second utensil for today's Feast of Wisdom, allow me to offer you the author of last week's business quotations. That is, the individual who said, I'd rather see you drink a glass of wine than a glass of milk. What's the good of living if you can't have the things that give you a little enjoyment in life? <laughs> and if you wrote, in to info at bartsbooks.com that's info at b-a-r-t-s-b-o-o-k-s dot com that the author of that quote was the original Mr. Fitness himself Jack LaLanne you will probably have already received your prize which has been freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books bookstores so keep your ears and your cerebrum with us, my friend, because later in the show, we give, we'll give you yet another quotation. And if you are amply erudite enough to know who authored that quote, your prize awaits. And remember, you're listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the profoundly misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download it by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. <laughs> All right, let me settle down here. That's blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. And now, with utensils, wit, and chisels, and hammer all raised in the air, I beg you, come return to Joseph Petrovics as, and why don't we see just how this artist is transforming new visions uh, from old ones of disaster into those of peace. Uh, well, Joseph, we've we've seen this magnificent uh, memorial piece you have done here uh, for the 9/11 tragedy, the warlike event, and now uh, you've done a lot of work in between, of course. But right now, you 
have this major masterwork, and it is so much more peaceful a theme. We're standing here in front of this life-size, beautiful statue, exquisitely detailed, of a horse. But this is not Leonardo da Vinci's warlike steed and all of the horses that we always see that are mighty and powerful. This is something much different. Could you tell us, first of all, what is the vision, your vision of this horse, and then tell us how, it, how you got into making it? Well, the horse, uh, you're right, it's, it's, it's a completely different approach. It's a peaceful, uh, simple grazing horse, uh, female, uh, mm -hmm. and she's pregnant. And I think that's, uh, that's a really new approach. Uh, personally, I never ever seen a kind of moment for a pregnant horse. No, I, I never. And but she doesn't really look all that pregnant. I mean, I'm, I'm not a farm boy, I guess. <laughs> well, in an early stage, but uh, the, the history goes back to the other farm where we used to live uh, from the late 80s, early 1992. And the commission uh, started and was given by Alex Satter, the owner of the farm. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to leave a memento on the other farm because oh. he knew that it's going to be developed for uh, expensive uh, Houses and so he wanted to leave a memento of the farm mm -hmm. and uh, he wanted to create uh, two, three uh, uh, pieces of a horse sculpture group. And um, the first one I finished uh, uh, last year in December 2015 was sitting in a mold uh, nearly uh, 20, 22, 23 years. Oh, mercy. Because yes. halfway I had to stop. Uh, with the whole process all the way back to 1992 oh, when Alex Satter passed away and uh, the project got halted. Oh, but it uh, now has come forward and it's brought out and, and here it is. Yes, so I had to decide a year, a little more than a year ago, if I want to finish completely because the mold, it's called the rubber mold, it was mm -hmm. falling apart and crumbling. Right. So mm -hmm. another year or two, the whole uh, piece would be completely disintegrated and so, gone. Excuse me, just a minute. Now, so you had done the clay originally. Yes. yes. And from that, you had put on the rubber mold. Yes, that's correct. And that was what remained at this point. Now, that is the true horse and a, a negative image, right? Yes, that's correct. So basically, uh, the process as we did on the fire memorial uh, uh, wall, um, modeling the actual piece in, in a soft material, usually in water, clay, or plastilina, then create a negative mold, make a cast of it, usually in plaster, and that piece goes into the foundry for bronze casting. I see. So that's usually the process. But speaking about the horse, a little bit of the background, uh, uh, when I was approached uh, by Alex Etter, uh, uh, that uh, creating a model uh, for a life-size horse, I was a little bit afraid uh, that uh, I might not be able to do this because even though I was trained uh, I believe uh, the highest possible way for figurative sculpture, uh, but uh, horse is a very different it's a, thing. It's a very difficult Much thing. more difficult uh, structurally, anatomically, obviously, not only has four legs, but uh, it's much more complex. They, they have four? Yes. Well, uh, okay, like I got four it. Legs. Well, at least you had that right. All right, well, I figured out. Okay. But anatomically, it's much more complex than yeah. the human body. And right, obviously, right. first, I had to really understand uh, 
how this animal is is working, functioning, moving. Right. And luckily, back then. So now, how did you go about doing it? How did, did you? Well, back then we had a real life, a real horse uh, mm -hmm. on the other farm. So I was lucky to see the real life of the horse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And actually, my mother was a, a pregnant female horse. I remember. Oh, very okay. Well. So that's. That her name was Eleonora, I okay. remember <laughs> that. Uh, I don't know oh, what happened like, to that horse. Like probably. Eleanor of Aquitaine, but yeah. probably a lot less far. But anyway, she was a real model, and uh, so I would say I am pretty, uh, pretty happy about this. Uh, it came out yes. really good, and uh, I think it's, well, it's a good piece. I think it's wonderful. Thank you for. Uh, and now let's let's go and take a look well, at it and look at some of the pleasure, pieces that we made. And to see with your own oracular orbs this amazing portrayal of a horse, a serene mare, uh, and all Joseph's other creations, uh, visit josephpetrovics.com. That's J-O-S-E-P-H-P-E-T-R-O-V-I-C-S.com. And, of course, if you're truly interested in commissioning or obtaining a masterwork of art from one of America's really finest talents, visit the site. Uh, and make an appointment with Joseph himself. Believe me, just to be on the grounds and in the studios is, is well, it's, it's uplifting. Uh, follow me. Joseph, I notice as we stroll around your absolutely lovely yard, you have sculpted the entire area in marvelous stone walls. You've had towers in the past, I know. Where do you get all this stone from? Well, the story goes back to, uh, again, once again, uh, 2001, uh, September 11. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, after this tragic day, uh, as like many other people, I just uh, couldn't find my life. And uh, the whole thing was uh, almost impossible to, to, to work inside of the studio. Mm. So I decided to, um, to uh, go and uh, look around and maybe find some... Uh, stones here and there and luckily I ended up at the construction site and the guy was happy on the top of the whole thing if I take the stone with me so he doesn't have to get rid of it and pay for the whole, uh, whole thing. So, so in other words, so, he got you to haul away his yeah, stone, so, right? So after that for a number of years I visited different uh, uh, construction sites, I would say like 10-15 my radius, so what you see stone here it's basically uh, 10, 15 mile radius well, it from my house. looks like a lot of the Brunswick shale that I know is geologically rich in this area. But I remember going on one of these little forays with you. Yes. And you make it sound, oh, I would just pick up the stuff. Those are heavy. They're big. They were huge. Don't <laughs> Well, actually, some of them, uh, I don't know how I did it back in 2002, 2003, but some of them at least uh, 200 could be 300 pounds. Uh. But of course, I used ramps and pipes and stuff like that and crowbars so uh, so we could manage the stone on the top of the pickup truck. But it was fun. Oh. When you find something uh, under the earth and uh, it's like uh, you find a piece of gold. And that oh. was a gold for me back then. And that, uh, I just love stone. That's, what that's, a uh, wonderful story that is. Thank you so much. Joseph, uh, 
Molly, thank you so much for touring us around your studio and grounds. And we would also like to thank the company by whose good graces we're here today. And that company is Prometheus Publishing, who invites you to visit Bart's Books Bookstore at bartsbooks.com. That's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And while you're browsing around the volumes, why not pick up a copy of So That's How They Do It, Tactics from Business Masters. And in fact, you will learn within that book one lesson from our master sculptor guest today. Uh, he in his own get a piece of his own wisdom. Remember, you're listening to the Art of the CEO Radio Show, where you may visit and uh, blogtalkradio.com, the Art of the CEO, to download this and all our other episodes. And as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. That is, who said, statistics are like bikinis. What they reveal is suggestive, ah, but what they conceal is vital. <laughs> I love that. And as I hint, this author was a professor emeritus at Baruch College of Business and noted for a slicing and quick wit. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, just write down that author's name as you believe him or her to be and send it to info at bartsbooks.com, that's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com to win an absolutely astounding life-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. <laughs> and as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, there are those who insist that for business to rise, the quality of our environment must fall. And in truth, they are right. That is, if you're only talking about the business of medicine. So, to you, gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the Art of the CEO show as much as Joseph and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And I remember, uh, and I hope you remember, that you may download this on all our shows, and you may further learn more about our guests, our quips, and our quotes by visiting our website, theartoftheceo.com. That's T-H-E-A-R-T-O-F-O-F-T-H-E-C-E-O.com. And finally, to you who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you. <laughs>